years and got here just in the nick of time. What does that make us? Big damn heroes, sir. Ain't we just? I went for a smear test. Now, guys, just before I get into this, don't worry, it's not going to be graphic. It's not going to be graphic. Because honestly, four weeks ago, I did this joke down on the South Coast. All I said was, I went for a smear test. A man just stood up in the center of the room and went, no! <laughs> I sometimes forget how low the bar is for women. <laughs> we just step out of the kitchen and go, is it okay if I tell a joke about a procedure that 50% of the population have to go through every year? No? Okay, sorry to have disturbed you. <laughs> Okay, so I need to find like the best flowers for the queen for her funeral because when she sees me in this new dress, she's gonna realize that she's not the fairest of them all. I am. <laughs> oh, it's so cold out of here. Look at that breeze. Ah, oh, it's so cold. My tits could literally cut ice. But seriously though, that bitch ass hoe isn't gonna know mom, what hit her. Mom, mom. Oh my god, it's a little attention-grabbing whore trying to get my screen time. Hello, little birdie. I'm a princess. You can trust me. Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM, the film and TV radio show where a handful of film enthusiasts shoot the breeze about all things film and television. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and I am getting into Secret Invasion on Disney+. Plus. I am producer Dave, and um, I haven't been watching Secret Invasion yet. However, I have rediscovered Legion, and I've started to rewatch that. Ooh, Legion, that's good. That's good. That's the um, kind of like X-Men, pre not prequel per se, but it's like X-Men in the 60s, right? It's like an offshoot because okay. uh, David is uh, is related to him, but uh, oh, he's related to uh, to Professor X. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've given the way game away already. I mean, oh, sorry. <laughs> David is his son, and that has quite a lot of powers, but they're so overwhelming that it causes him to have uh, some mental issues. I started watching that. And I think I got seven episodes in, into the first season. And either due to scheduling issues or whatnot, I just stopped watching it and I never got back into it, which is, which really dug at me because that it was when, what's his name? Jermaine Clement from mm -hmm. Concords joined in and I will watch anything that man's in. And I just missed those episodes, so uh, you know what? I might I might jump back in and pick that up. I'm really yeah. glad I picked it back up again because I mean I remember watching the first season and it, it is such a good show. It is really such a good show. I kind of missed out or lost it during the second season, but um, yeah, and it went for I think it was either three or four seasons. So there's quite a lot to catch up on. It's very compact because there's a lot of stuff that happens in in each episode, right? So yeah. It is just oh, spot on. And I, I'll use my catchphrase. I'll put it on my list and then I'll never <laughs> watch it. But yeah, I'll do my best to get back into that one. Although I have started uh, Secret Invasion, which is 
the latest installment in the MCU TV franchise, if you will. And this is the one with Nick Fury. So Samuel L. Jackson's back. I've seen the first episode. I think there are three episodes out at the moment. But I've been I've I've been mad busy with personal stuff and not been able to catch um the last two episodes. Yeah. I think considering you like watching everything also all together, it means you have three episodes to watch back to back. So yes, which is great, which is exactly how I like it. So I'm just gonna be binge watching all of them and I'm gonna be like bam 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 bam. And I'm like, yes. So and um so the first episode, watch the first episode, really, really enjoyed the first episode. Um Obviously, a couple of things. Because uh, I, I, as soon as I finished the first episode, I, w- I jumped online to watch some of the critiques. So I watched one of the ones that there was. There's, there's usually going out and trashing the MCU, and they made a couple of points. Only one point I agreed with. All the other points, I'm like, please stop it. Just stop. You. It's. It seems to be very popular now to jump on the bandwagon of. MCU are trash. Um, now I'm gonna. I'll say this. I'll start by saying, Marvel and the MCU. They they've not done themselves any justice. They've not really protected themselves against this from some of their output. I'll be honest with that. But that's not the case. Secret Invasion started off strong. Samuel L. Jackson is always a watchable. He he has a watchable presence every time he steps in as Nick Fury. So he's fantastic. Uh, I I know it's slowly, it's dragging slowly, but it's because it's gone into an, es- it's, it's the espionage thing, right? It's espionage with aliens. So it, so it is going to be a slow build to begin with, just to pick that mystery, tie that mystery together. So it starts to, you can pull on a thread and start to unfurl as it goes along. I hope they keep the mystery as you know tight and as entertaining as they have in the first episode i hope they carry on through everyone who's popped up so far have been fantastic one thing happened at the end of the first one which i kind of thought oh did you really want to do that but i understand why they did it and i'm not going to spoil it until we decide to do spoilers so yes i'm into it big time you'll listen to shoot the breeze on resonance 104.4 fm i'm marcus e Ako. i'm producer there and we've got a bumper show for you today. We have two great guests on the show. Uh, in the film and TV news section, we're going to be talking with Esther Manito, who is a comedian on her UK tour, which is uh, Hell Hath No Fury. It is going in at Soho Theatre from the 19th, from 17th to 19th of August. Go and check her out. She's a fantastic comedian. And then when we get to the spotlight segment, we're going to be speaking with Dr. Jay West from the Hairy Godmothers, who are uh, bringing Disney in drag, Once Upon a Parody, to uh, to the uh, Aeronaut in Acton uh, at the end of July. We could have talked for hours about the project, about the show, about things they're going to be doing. And it, it, honestly, fantastic show. We're definitely going to try and get Dr. Jay West back on to talk more about the future projects and the possibility of a franchise being spinned off with, with yours truly, myself and 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 producer David jump, hopping in 
and taking being the was one of the two guys that took over DC and are trying to fix DC. You know, James Gunn and the other guy who are collaborating to expand the DC universe and bring it in and make it better and whatnot. That's what we're gonna do. From did, did you did you get that feeling from when we were chatting during the spotlight segment that we were gonna because we were pitching tons of ideas of how they could spin off Disney and drag, right? Well, kind of, yeah, but you were the one, you, you were the James Gunn. I was way, way, way back in the background. <laughs> <laughs> nah, go ch- just listen in for our conversation with Dr. J. West when it comes to Spotlight. Fantastic conversation. Uh, and in the middle, we're going to be talking a little bit. There's a new product, a new, but it's a new TV show that I have been binge watching and I've finished binge watching and I want to talk a little bit about it. But before we get to all that, let's jump straight into film and TV news. <laughs> You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and I'm speaking with an award-winning British-Lebanese comedian who is about to go on a worldwide tour, comedy tour that is going to blow your socks off. But before we go into any of that stuff, let's get her to introduce herself and to answer the question, uh, how long has she been doing stand-up comedy? So please tell us your name and how long you've been doing stand-up comedy. My name is Estimonito, and I've been doing comedy for seven and a bit years now, I think. Yeah. Okay. Seven and a bit years. Yeah. Yeah. So you started before COVID and... Uh, and before and you, COVID. How did COVID affect you personally as a as a stand-up comedian? I, <laughs> I actually really liked it because it meant that I could do... Because everything was on Zoom. So it meant that I could do lots and lots of gigs at home, earn more money and never have to put any trousers on. It was brilliant. You didn't worry about the whole Zoom uh, issue with regards to the fact that you can't hear your the reaction from the jokes that you're telling. Do you know? You... Well, I just adapted to it. I got I did so many that to start off with it was weird, but then I really adapted to it to the point that when I went back to doing comedy, I was like, oh my god, standing on a stage and seeing faces, this is this is quite surreal. But yeah, I mean, I just yeah, I just adapted to it, and actually, I kind of got used to it. Um, and I didn't find it too bad towards the end. Okay, a lot of, a lot of the comedians that I've, I've spoken to, that's pretty much their main reservation with doing uh, gigs on Zoom. Just the fact that with the whole thing, you know, being a stand-up comedian, you tell a joke and you get instant feedback when the audience are laughing. But obviously, with a Zoom call, a lot of people want to hear the joke. They don't want other people interrupting, so they mute themselves and so they could be laughing, but you might not uh, hear it. So, yeah. But... So by the time I was doing a lot of them towards the end, the, the booker that I was working with would kind of set up the audience to make sure that people weren't... I mean, if you had to be on mute because, you know, there were kids in the house that might interrupt or things like that, then you could be on mute. But there had to be a front row, essentially, um, and they had to be unmuted and you could see them on the screen and you could highlight them and chat to different people. So it actually, we kind of developed a few techniques to get around a lot of that. So it didn't feel too bad. Now that makes sense. In fact, it, that would be set up that it, because then it helps you out, right? So you've got that yeah. immediate crowd reaction. So it works. I mean, there were those gigs where where it was outside with social distancing and you could be in a car and people would just beep the horn. 
if they instead of laughing, that that was just that was just bizarre. Wait, so so they're sitting in their car. So it's like a drive-by comedy show, or not drive-by, but like a drive-through comedy drive-by. show. It's a drive drive-by. <laughs> it comedy felt show. very much like a drive-by. Yeah, I mean, uh, that a drive-by would have actually been sweet release for everyone involved, but um. It was a dry, yeah, like a drive-in comedy show, but you couldn't leave your car, and obviously you can't hear people laughing, so you had to beep your horn instead of laughing. That's ridiculous, because then you have people with those novelty horns that will go on for ages, so the joke is, is done. Yeah, like a and... Delboy Trotter. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then it's like you've already got into like your third joke, set, third setup, and that's when the horn stops for them to then begin. And then obviously there's the ringing in the ears from how loud it's going to be, and then you carry on. Okay. Uh, let me yeah. ask this. I ask this question to every comedian that I speak with. Uh, what is your most memorable bomb on stage? I was going to say what my worst gig was, but then that wasn't even. You can tell us your I'm worst gig think. if that works too. <laughs> I'm just trying to think. Where oh, you know what? <laughs> One of my worst ever gigs was where it was out in this, it was out in the middle of nowhere. I think it was in Essex. Um, in the countryside and um, all the comedians that had gone on before me had done so well and they loved them it was quite old school material but they absolutely loved it and when I went on they just looked at me well what is it they were it wasn't just that they weren't laughing it was the fact they were looking at me so confused so bewildered as to what 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 was I doing like why why is she here and then when I walked off, the pub landlord said, oh, <laughs> for, for a female comedian, you've actually done done one of the best. And I was wow. like, what? And they were saying, yeah, they just don't like female comics, but you've, you've done all right. I mean, no one threw anything and no one stormed out. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. I didn't want to leave. And I was with, um, I was with my husband and we just stood there and he was going, can we leave? And I was like, no, nah, we're just going to stand at the back until this entire audience leaves because I don't want to walk past anyone. I just want to hide. That was, that was pretty unnerving. I I was going to avoid that question, but I mean, you've kind of brought it, brought it up about being a female comedian. And again, I I avoid it mainly because I, I guess every female comedian gets asked that question about what is it like being a woman in comedy and I wanted to try yeah. to avoid that. But how often do you encounter what you've just talked about, being in that pub, performing in front of a, an audience, maybe 80% men and the 20% women that are there are most likely hostages? I think uh, I think, it, I think the main problem is that we're in the process now of changing the narrative. We've been so used to being very comfortable with the male narrative. Like if a, a guy stands on stage and talks about... Um, his sex life, his wife, uh, his genitalia, his um, medical procedures, uh, the annoyingness of turning middle age, any of these issues that we've been so conditioned to hear from a male narrative and find funny um, that we're very, very tolerant of it. We don't find it repulsive. We don't find it weird. We don't find it gross. But when a woman stands on stage, because we haven't been conditioned for that to be normalised yet, and we are in the process of normalising it, so we are making it easy for our sisters that are coming up behind us, there is still a reaction of, 
I don't feel comfortable with that. Should a woman be saying that? Should a woman be talking like that? Should a woman be so candid? You know, I mean, it can a guy can go on stage and do some pretty hardcore material and you can go on and say, I don't know, I've got saggy tits or something. And suddenly you're very crass and you're really gross. And yeah, there's still a lot of double standards and it's really subconscious. People aren't consciously aware of it. But it is it is being rooted out and it's changing a lot in different areas. And you, you find that most people are really um, kind of adapting and changing. But obviously, you know, you step outside your bubble sometimes and you go to areas where it's not quite the same, you know, like pubs like that, where they're just still, you know, they have their conventional setup and, and they're still not used to seeing a woman talk quite so candidly. You know, so it happens, but you just got to do it to be part of the change, I guess. I can, I can see that. I mean, it, it, with a lot of the uh, the shows that I go to, especially in London, you are seeing more women get up on stage and are being, uh, I'd say you say crass, but they're being a lot more, they're, they're being freer than you would expect back in the 90s and the early 2000s. Oh, yeah. To talk about. Yeah, we get labelled crass, but it's not. It's just being open. It's just being very kind of descriptive and, and open about our own experiences and the sad thing is and I, I I hope it is changing but the sad thing is is um is that sometimes you find that it can be you know you get a lot of women who support you but then also you do get a lot of women who still say I don't find women funny, funny which is the most heartbreaking thing ever because you're like you do because you've been on girls nights out you've mm. got friends you go out you laugh together so yeah we're still kind of trying to break that down as well but it is it is changing okay again there are a lot of female comedians i've spoken with that i find hilarious and it's just i i I know that it has it is a talking point especially when a female comedian gets the opportunity to to you know to shine and to do that that's the one question that always pops up what is it like being a woman in comedy uh thank you very much for taking the time to answer that question for me you're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and my producer is struggling with Zoom to, to get into the session. I can see him trying to log in uh, with multiple entries, but he'll join us at some point and ask a few questions. Uh, technology. I the know. Joys. That, that, that's how the it joys. is. Uh, but right now, <laughs> in fact, I think he's just stepped into the Zoom room. Let's see if we can if we can get him to introduce himself. Producer Dave, are you there? Hello, how you doing? My apologies, uh, Zoom was playing up. It's okay, we'll just... No worries. We'll just take, spend the last 10 minutes taking the piss out of you, so it's okay, it's fine. <laughs> and by we, I mean myself, Marcus Iaco, and the comedian that we're speaking with today, uh, Esther Manito, who you've seen her on Live at the Apollo, you've seen her... Uh, you've seen her very there's, there's the stand-up sketch live uh, performance on ITV2 and she's also got a uh, show which is she's a new show is the brand new UK tour Hell Hath No Fury now uh, Esther I want to talk about this I want to get your perspective it um for this new show you're doing Hell Hath No Fury um give us a little bit of context what what inspired you to write it um I just realized over the years that um doing stand-up that the things that I really enjoyed talking about were kind of like the little things that really get on your nerves in talking about like family life you know married kids the whole shebang with the little things the little things that wind you up the little things that drive you crazy and so I decided to take all those little things and then start to put together a show right I'm just talking about what it is that makes me quite 
get well get angry really so basically yeah it's just a, it's just a lot about what makes uh, you know things that make me angry and I think anyone who's married with kids will will relate to it also about you know turning 40 uh things that add to that that annoy me so all sorts of um little things which I'm sure a lot of people will find very relatable so that's that's what inspired my show that's fantastic. So we know that your 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 show starts uh, from the seventeenth of August. Uh, you're going. Uh, you're doing London uh, Soho Theatre. You've got yeah. uh, Palace Dixon Theatre South End. You've got uh, Birmingham Glee down in, in September fourteenth. We've we've got the list of um, of your tour. Uh, we'll put it on our show notes when we post this out uh, as well. Okay. Um, so is this, am, I, am I correct in understanding this is your first uh, stand-up special hour? Is this the case? No, this is my third one, but your this is my one. first okay. tour. Yeah, oh, so... Ah, fantastic, okay. I've got, yeah, so my first two shows, um, Crusade and Hashtag Not All Men, are on, you can stream them on Next Up. Um, and I took those to uh, the Edinburgh Festival. But this one, I'm not going to Edinburgh Festival and I'm going to be going on tour with it. OK, so um, with the first, um, how long did it take you into your comedy career before you figured, yes, I feel ready to do my own special and then do that uh, that first show? My first show, I think, was and. 18 so I've been going for two years so with your first show you kind of just take all your club material everything that you've been doing in the clubs and you just put it into an hour and just make a story around it so it's got some kind of order it's only when you get on to writing your second show that you then have to start from scratch and you're like right I need something that I want to talk about and then I need to work on how to make it funny my approach has always been find something that I find interesting and then just write everything that I can think about that topic and then add the jokes afterwards. And the jokes tend to come the moment you stand on stage and try and communicate it to an audience. So when you're testing your stuff out, you're kind of like, this is what I want to talk about. But just in the way that you deliver it, you then find, OK, here's where the jokes lie. Here's where the funny lies. Here's where people relate to it. So writing, yeah, writing your shows after your first hour is definitely a very different procedure from your first hour where you just take all your jokes and put them together. And as you said, with Hell Hath No Fury, which is your new your your new tour, uh, your the story around it is, as you said, you turning 40, uh, married life with kids. Uh, how, how much of your material is focused on your family versus what you as a 40-year-old woman in the world encounter. I think I think this is my first show where it's not 100% about family so I definitely have a lot of family stuff in there but it's a lot more I think it's about 50-50 in this show my husband was a bit annoyed because he came to see a, a work in progress of it and he was like oh I'm not 100% of the focus in this one he's not a centre of attention anymore so you're yeah. away from him <laughs> That's 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 a that's a fair sentiment to have, I guess. But then that's when you can yeah. say, look, at the end of the day, we can always reverse it back and have the fourth. Well, one I know people are always saying, "Well, how does he feel about it? Does he get upset that he's spoken about so much?" And I'm like, "No, it's quite the opposite. He wants all the attention on him. He likes, yeah, he likes it." Because I've 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 seen some of your act because uh, I know you because you've 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 toured the comedy circuit you've hit a lot of the the big name uh, sets in London and then you've got Newcastle you've done Top Secret your um, comedy store I think you've done have you done a King Kong at Comedy Store at some point 
Oh, years ago I that did it. Yeah. Years ago, yeah. Yeah, so it, a lot of a lot of the material that you have, it, it's it, talking about your husband, it's not anything unflattering. So I can see why he would like the attention to be focused on him as well. So it's uh, it, it's pretty good. Um, so with Hell Hath No Fury, you're doing your tour. Well, what are you doing to psych yourself up to go on stage in different places to go and perform? What do you personally do as your own ritual to psych yourself up before you perform? Um... Well, I mean, I've, I do it five nights a week anyway. So I'm I kind of getting, you kind of get used to it, but I always get nervous just before I go on. There's nothing really you can do about that. Uh, I don't really chat to people just before I go on. I kind of just like shut down a little bit and just go in my head just for like a good 10 minutes before I go on. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of psyching myself up, I, I, all right, for me, I always have to have a corona. And if I don't have a corona, I assume I'm going to have a bad show. And there have been many a times for many reasons that there isn't a corona available or, um, yeah, I, I just can't, you know, have a beer for whatever reason. And the shows, even on those times, have been fine, but I still have it in my head. That if I don't just have one with me, see, even if I don't drink it, I just like, oh, I need to have that bottle of Corona with me. See, I've been doing stand up for a year now, and I, mine is the reverse, where I do is the point of the tequila shots. I do the tequila shot before I go on. When I don't do the tequila shot, I don't do a good performance. Um, if I do tequila, but then I also drink beer, I have a terrible performance. Um, oh. and I have to pay. So now I'm I'm sort of figuring out the, the I'm, I'm measuring the amount of time from taking a shot to getting on stage. Um, and I think I've got it perfected now, where I know I'll do it. I'll do a decent show on there. Yeah, you can't be now. you yeah. can't be you can't be drunk. Whatever happens, of course not. And that's that, and I think that, that leads where, to sheer madness. Exactly. I think that's the issue with the beer. So the beer makes me just pushes me into the little bit of nonchalance uh where you know where, you know not not even overconfidence but just i i just don't care anymore and that's a problem i don't want to be there but the tequila is like yes let's let's have a good time and i step up on stage and i get that done um so uh, esther we, we're talking about your um your your tour which is hell hath no fury the first performance is going to be 9 p.m thursday the 17th uh of august at Soho Theatre, and then you're carrying on all the way to your last show, which is 19th of October, Glasgow, The Stand. We're going to post this with the show notes for this show. Uh, just before we go, um, I know I already threw one at you where I said, tell us your uh, worst ever bomb. And obviously that is, you know, of course, that you, off the top of your head might be difficult, but maybe if you can tell us one of the best gigs that you've done, that anytime you think maybe you want to stop doing this, that one gig pops into your head and you're like, no, this is the reason why I do this because of that reaction. Is there anything that comes into your mind? Yeah, I mean, definitely doing Live at the Apollo. That was an incredible, incredible experience. I, I absolutely loved doing Live at the Apollo. Um also performing um i was opening for celeste barber the australian comic and uh, she sold out the london palladium and i opened for her there and that was amazing as well absolutely incredible so those two gigs are probably oh and i also also dubai opera house that was really incredible so it's been a few that i've been really privileged to be part of 
um, and they do feel really amazing. And with Dubai Opera House as well, because I was the first female comedian they had performed there, so that felt like a real part of a milestone, which was, you know, really incredible. So those those definitely it's easy to forget sometimes you know when you're trekking back from some pub where people just looked at you <laughs> horribly you're like no no try to remember the good ones <laughs> oh, absolutely and final question just to wrap it up because our show is a film and tv radio show what is your favorite film or tv show that every time is like if you're to eliminate everything else that's the one you would keep what is it uh favorite film is goodfellas All right, Goodfellas is a good, is a good pick. It's my favorite film. Uh, I, I love Goodfellas, and my favorite TV show. Um, just to keep it in the same theme, but it's probably Sopranos. It's the only TV show I've watched the whole series about three times, and yeah, I will watch it again. Yeah, Sopranos is kind of like a televised version of Goodfellas because you, yeah. you have the same actors pretty much flowing through it anyway. So yeah, uh, very, very, very good choices. Esther Manito, thank you very much for joining us on Shoot uh, the Breeze. Thank you for having me. We wish you all the best on your tour, uh, which is thank starting you. on the uh, 17th of uh, August in Soho Theatre in London. And it carries on right through touring the UK, ending on the 19th of October in Glasgow at The Stand. We're going to post these uh, these tour listings on our show notes and get as many people seeing it as possible. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. And that was our conversation with Esther Manito. Very, very funny comedian. Go check her show out, Hell Hath No Fury, at Soho Theatre from the 17th to the 19th of August. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. And before we jump into, into Spotlight, where we talk to Dr. Jay West from the Hairy Godmothers about Disney and drag, Once Upon a Parody, producer Dave. Has there been anything that you're watching uh, at the moment that you want to talk about? Well, we talked about Legion earlier. Oh, yeah, there's also, um, I found, I don't know if you've ever heard of this program. It's called Scorpion. Is is that the one where, uh, is it, where they're geniuses in a That's team? That's the one, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, uh, and I discovered it. I, I quite liked the, the series or what I saw of it, um, but I came along too late Okay. So, so, you know, the odd episode here and there. And then I discovered that it's available on my local Fast channel, uh, Fast being free ad-supported television station. And it's available on Pluto TV and on Freevee. Freevee is kind of like better because you can just watch which episode that you want to watch whenever you want to watch it. But if you want to watch it on Pluto TV... It's got its own channel and it's just like shown back to back to back to back. Oh, cool. Okay. So, yeah, there's quite a few bits and pieces. I mean, especially on the Freeview thing, um, I found they've got some really good films there, including Get Out. That's great. Freeview is very, very good because it's, it's like you said, it's free channel. You do have great classic films and TV shows on there. Um, obviously, you don't, you, you know, it, it's not like Sky Store where you get it six months after it just coming out for the cinema. But, you know, if you can wait, you will get great shows on there that have come out, great TV, well, films anyway, that have come out like a year and a half afterwards from the cinema. If you've missed it in the cinema, you missed it in box office, uh, just as soon as it hits the TV, that's when you can get to see it on freebie. And it's free. You don't have to pay for it. Like me having to, you know, curtail all my paid subscriptions, which I 
Again, we're going through that. We said it was seven I can have, right? <laughs> I said three. 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 Come on. Come on, man. <laughs> Fine. Does, does free V count? Because free V is free. Free V is free. It comes with, um. well, if you've got Amazon Prime or the Amazon stick, it, it's, on, it's on there. Um, okay. There you go. One of, their, so one of their channels. I can keep Amazon Prime because Amazon Prime has freebie, so that counts as as one. And then obviously Paramount Plus also is on Paramount on on, on Amazon Prime, so I can keep that too, right? I see you wiggling your way through them. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the paid subscriptions that I have, uh, which is Netflix. Uh, has a TV show on it called The Lincoln Lawyer. Have you heard of The Lincoln Lawyer? Yeah, I've heard of it. I've not seen it though. So, so it's it's a, it's the it's a spin-off from the film. I say spin-off. It's the TV version of the film. There was a film a while ago with Matthew McConaughey and the plot is literally The Lincoln Lawyer. He's this lawyer. Uh, it's based on Michael Connolly's novels uh, of the same name. He's a lawyer who works out of the back of his Lincoln and he has a chauffeur who drives him around. His chauffeur, if I'm not mistaken, is someone that he got out of prison. Uh, he represented the guy and as payment, the guy is now his chauffeur. But it's more about him in the back of the Lincoln, working through his cases and so on. Um, that The film has Matthew McConaughey from like, I think early 2000s. This is a TV series focusing on the same character played by a different actor um and it, it, it's it's a, the the it's it's a the whole series i think about 12 episodes if i'm not mistaken it's following one big case but each week they have uh or each episode they kind of have the you know the case of the week kind of thing um although they kind of they kind of give up on that halfway through which i was like uh, that was you know keep that interesting keep it going but it's, it was pretty good it's it's not it does it's not going to crack top 100 best shows but it's a great time filler just to be able to jump in watch kill some time and whatnot so i used it as a palate cleanser uh after my fear i was like it was, because i i'd been binge watching what, what, there was a tv show i was binge watching and it's completely slipped my mind but i finished watching that no, yeah, thank you, She-Hulk. <laughs> I would need to use a, a scrubber to scrub that from my memory. Um, no, because I've been watching Shameless, right? Shameless is on Netflix as well. And this is the US version of Shameless. There are 11 seasons of Shameless on Netflix. Uh, that's starring William H. Macy, em, uh, Emmy Rossum, and a whole bunch of other people in there that just pop in, pop out. Um it, it's, it's 11 seasons. I've binge watched up to season seven. I'm halfway through season seven. Uh, and I wanted to just give myself a tiny little break just before I go back into it. And I'm going to go back into it. I want to finish it because it's a it's a good show. In, 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 in fact, I was reading a poll the other day and it uh, just talking about how the Lincoln lawyer is not going to crack 100. Shameless has a, a shameless appears on that list. It might be ranker dot com or some other list that it is ranking at on a number of different lists at number 150 greatest tv shows of all time so if you ever get a chance to watch it go check it out it's basically it's a spin it's the u.s version of the uk version the uk tv show called shameless um and it's pretty much the same sort of characters and whatnot it's about this family who are 
they're shameless essentially they they rob steal and you know scrape by in order to be able to survive and did you ever watch the english version i never watched the english version i know what's his name james mcavoy uh that's the tv show that made that made him blow up he came from that tv show that's right Uh, yeah yeah so he's in it um i never saw that did you ever see it yeah i did i watched the first I think the first four seasons, in actual fact, the first four and a half seasons. I think I, I think that I think the UK version only has maybe five seasons. Oh no, it went because of James. I think it went James McAvoy was in the first what two three seasons. I think three seasons. Yes, he dropped off at three. Yeah, if if <laughs> the the US version kind of mirrors up with 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 the US version with the UK version because I went in and looked at names of characters and all of them are represented in the US version. Yeah, it, it it's um it the English version is really good. You have to watch it. You have to have a look at it. Let me, I'm gonna let me finish the US version, then I'll go back and I'll watch the UK version. I'll and I'll compare notes. But I'm really enjoying it. I'm enjoying it anyway. So those shows are the Lincoln Lawyer on Netflix and Shameless, the US version, which is also on Netflix. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance One Four Point Four FM. I'm Marcus Iaco. I'm producer Dave, and this is Spotlight. <laughs> You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. And we are here with uh, one of the, um, the main characters of the show, Disney in Drag, Once Upon a Parody. I'm going to get them to introduce themselves and tell us what their favorite Disney movie is of all time. So please tell us your name and what is your favorite Disney movie of all time? Yes, I'm Jay West, and I am one of the members of the Harry Godmothers, which is our production group. And oh, Lion King is always one of my favorites and, and go tos. Probably the old school ones. I'm I'm a '90s kid, so um, I like the the first rendition of of Lion King is my go to. Okay, so you you just you went you, okay, so you answered the next question I was going to ask straight away because as you said, you, the first rendition of the Lion King is your favorite. I was going to ask, what are your opinion of the uh, live action remake of the Lion King? Look, I think it's really hard when you grow up on these Disney movies and you have such an emotional attachment to it from a young age and how it's seen and depicted in these these early renditions. Um, yeah, I know they got a little bit of negative feedback from it. Like the, of course, it's not going to be as um, uh, nostalgic for me as the original. It's still a beautiful story. I, I you know, it's hard to go past um, the narrative arc and and the the sentimental value of the Lion King. So I still love it, but yeah, it's not it's not gonna match. Um, the I love the deep mind. sigh that you gave just before you started answering the question because it was like, ah, <laughs> uh, fine, we're gonna. Have... All right, <laughs> this <good>. yeah. <laughs> How how do I be as uh, as correct as I can, but also like respecting that a lot of very skillful people have put that movie together, and I'm sure they had, 
you know, artistic ideas and, and concepts by, behind why they made those choices. But yeah, when there's when there's high expectations, which is always the way, like when you create something to have a huge amount of expectation, uh, it's it's pretty hard to actually reach them. You could say it's terrible. It's fine. It, so it's okay. You could just That's... come out and say it. You could just say it's terrible. It's uh, it, the, Look, the, the the first the one you watched where you Mufasa died once in animation. That's it. Uh, and you could just stick with that, and that'll be fine. I feel like you're trying to put words in my mouth. Like I'm making a question to this. No, I, it's, I, it's I, funny because I had so just just for, so you. Uh, it's hard for me to separate the experience because. I went and saw it in the movies and I had 20 friends all dressed up in onesie animal outfits and we paraded through the streets on our way to the cinemas. And so when you're with a huge group of 20 people that are all pretend like adults, we're all in our like 20s and 30s, all pretending that we're animals watching a movie, it's pretty like lighthearted and funny regardless. And that's the only time I've seen it. I didn't, I didn't, because it didn't capture me. To a great extent, I never revisited it. So really only what's in my mind is 20, 20 mates all dressing up together and uh, parading the streets in onesies. I'll be honest with you. I, I think the audience probably would have they preferred watching you and your friends in your costumes come into the, to the film compared to what they were seeing on. I, don't, don't get me wrong. I watched it. It's gorgeously shot. The voice talent behind it are some of my favorite actors of all time. D Donald Glover, you got Beyonce in there, Idris Elba. Idris Elba's not in that one. No, Idris Elba's not in that one. It's um oh, it's ooh, um oh, my my brain. He's the actor from uh, Serenity. Uh, he's 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 a Nigerian as well, so that's gonna kill me. <laughs> uh, I'll 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 remember his name and I'll come back to him. He plays the he plays yeah. Scar. So it's fa you know, fantastic voice oh. cast, but it just it just yeah. I still like yourself. Mm. I'm a nineties kid, uh, and so the original Lion King is is my favorite. But anyway, let's move away from from that stuff. Let's focus more on what you are doing. Because uh, you are part of the Hairy Godmothers, and you've got a show called Disney in Drag, Once Upon a Parody, which is going to be playing at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe uh, from the 2nd to the 27th. There are a few exceptions in there, uh, but that's fine. From the 2nd to the 27th at the Gilded Balloon uh, in Edinburgh. Uh, tell us, so what is the Hairy Godmothers? So the Hairy Godmothers got coined um, after working together probably six, seven months. Um, but really how it all started was uh, one of the members of our group just sent out an email to a number of people that he thought were just creative or had stage presence, not necessarily from an acting or a singing or a dance background, but just creative humans that he resonated with. And out of the, like, 13, 14 um, emails that were sent out. There were nine of us that got back. They were like, yep, let's write a fringe show. That sounds great. That sounds really, really interesting. This is back in 2019. And then when we got together, we all started like voting on some different concepts and some different ideas. Um, I did have the, um, the privilege of being able to grow up around drag queens because I was a dancer and choreographer for them from the age of like 17 to into my into my 30s now um 
So that was such a deep respect and reverence for the art form already. And having such a background that was influenced by Disney movies, like Disney and drag felt like a really powerful and potent tool for educating and entertaining people. So it just felt really right. And the just the combination of coming together with friends and creating just for the sake of creating, we had no idea of what the show was actually going to be like. It could have completely flopped in that first year. Um, but just turns out, you know, we were in a, a, a tiny little cinema, like I think maybe 100 people um, in this uh, movie cinema, and they had a tiny little stage at the front, and there was something in there that um, the audience saw, that people saw, and that we felt that just like hit something really, really like beautiful. And since then, it's just slowly started to expand and expand. And uh, we were due to come to Edinburgh in 2020. And uh, unfortunately, COVID hit and we haven't been able to get out of Australia. But we've been touring Australia for four years with the show. And this is now, so we came over and did Brighton Fringe for the first time um, in May and have been touring Europe now, um, getting to see so many different people respond to the show. And yeah, getting really, really excited. We're doing a little stint in London just before Edinburgh, so the last week in July. And then we're coming up to Edinburgh for the whole month. So uh, nervous, excited, all the feels are happening, uh, but just feeling like we're on a fairy tale adventure of our own of, of being people from completely different backgrounds, I will say as well, that we've got lawyers, engineers, doctors, podiatrists, um, some people that have worked in the arts, so dancing and music, but really we are an eclectic bunch that have just come together to create and, and share a message that we're, we're really passionate about. That's good because, you, as you said, you, with your experience, you're, you're a choreographer, you're a dancer, you're an actress yourself, so you're bringing all of your skills uh, to mm. this particular project but you're dealing with people who are so most, as you mentioned, a lot of people who are doing it not because that's their, um, I'm, I'm not even going to say it's their passion because it is their passion, hence the reason why they're doing it, mm. but it's not their career. It's not what they've spent time dedicating to refine their acting ability, their dance ability, their, their, their physique in order to be, mm. uh, to, to be that. So you have people who are doing it because of the passion. And as such, in your, so in your experience, what is it like choreographing a, a dance piece for someone who is not a trained dancer compared to trained dancers, obviously because you work with people who have made their life to dance. How have you found the difference between training those people and the others? It's probably one of the most rewarding things that I get to do, and that's what I mainly do in Australia, is I um, help people reclaim their confidence and this narrative that I can't dance um, I mean, this is taking it to a whole new level of thinking. Like a lot of the, the group did have to go through that, like, oh, I don't have coordination. I've got two left feet and all of these stories that we get taught as kids um, and instead go, no, when you've got a community and you've got people that will support you through it and actually break down the steps it's not going to be like a, a high-end detailed choreography, but when you get a group of people syncing up together uh, and having just as much fun on the stage, we not only get to rewrite our own relationship to dance, entertainment, our body, but we also get to have that sense of confidence of challenging ourselves and getting to reclaim um, a part of us that maybe we've, like, neglected or, or not um yeah, put time and energy into it. Um, that being said, 
every one of us within the group have kind of highlighted the areas that um, we're not as strong at or that we're not as skillful at. So from the very beginning, some of the crew were getting singing lessons because we sing all of our things live. Um, everyone has a song, we all sing live. So some of the people had to really, really work hard um, and do their you know, weekly or, or daily uh, singing activities and get comfortable with finding their voice. Others were putting more time and energy into dancing. And so, yeah, it's it's... It's hard to compare because they're completely different, like skill set from what I need to do with a professional dancer to versus somebody who's trained before. But they're equally as rewarding, uh, and it's beautiful to like all of our our um, crew have now gotten on stage and performed to hundreds of people, thousands of people, and uh, get to say to themselves like they'll be the ones in nightclubs now, just being like, "Let's break out the dance, let's do it." And uh, you know, I'm not even the one initiating it. It's just they're they're going for it which is very, very fun to watch. Of course. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And we have with us singer, actor, choreographer, part of the Hairy Godmothers, Jay West, who is uh, part of the show, which is going to Edinburgh F Festival Fringe, Disney in Drag, Once Upon a Parody. It's going to be at the Gilded Balloon from the 2nd to the 27th of August. So go check it out at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe. Now, the this, this show, Disney in Drag, Once Upon a Parody, what is this show all about? Yeah, so people come in with a preconception of what it's going to be. I would say right now, expect the unexpected. This is definitely an adult fairy tale, though. So leave your kids at home for this one. Uh, but in a nutshell, you follow my character's journey. So uh, I'm the hero or protagonist. I purposely don't have a gender or a name uh, in this show. So you're just following this typical hero's arc or hero's journey that you see in a lot of storytelling. As so you follow my journey, trying to find one my one true love, guided by the most unlikely uh, mentor which is the hairy godmother and you meet some of your fairy tale favorites but not like ever seen before and learn a whole heap of different uh, themes and topics ranging from oh god toxic masculinity to self-love to self-acceptance to some adult themes that I'm not sure I did actually ask in advance how how adult I could get on this this uh, station so it, you can be as you can be as adult as you want to be if it's too bad producer dave will get to work throughout the night to bleep out certain points so feel free to swear <laughs> as much as you want because every time you do it tickles me a tiny little bit amazing amazing okay i'll i'll leave that one for, for now but uh, now that i have permission i uh, might drop some some different things in there but um yeah so we learn a whole heap of different i will say that sex toys are definitely in there so you'll you'll uh, learn some new things uh, it's a whole new world you didn't know you you needed uh so yeah you that's that's the main uh, crux of the actual show but how we deliver it is a combination of uh, singing live and uh, we parody the, the whole show so it is a parody uh, a lot of comedy a lot of laughs a lot of um like little dance numbers and just a whole heap of fun really so there is some audience interaction so if you're not shy and you want to be on stage feel free to put your hand up as soon as we ask for some audience interaction because it's I, a lot of fun getting up on stage 
I'm going to be somebody that you're going to say to keep away from the stage because every I will stalk the show and I'll be there every every night wanting to be on stage and that will be it. So if like, no, no you're like, welcome. No, Marcus, stay, it's you tan enough. That's fine. Stay off. Um, you, you, it has been advertised as 18 plus. So you're warned if you take a kid there and you don't like what the kid is seeing, it's your fault. It's plastered everywhere in the advert saying it's 18 plus. That's great. Now, from the story that you've been mentioning, I've been picking some subtle hints. Um, mm -hmm. Is is it, it um, would I be right in saying that the following Disney shows or Disney films get included? Uh, Cinderella, um, uh, Beauty and the Beast, uh, Aladdin. Am I right in thinking those three are going to uh, pop up at some point? Yes. So we are, we it's all it's all we're we're all we're all like uh nineties kids, so it's all old school bangers that you'll you'll have in the show. Is the Lion King gonna be in there? Oh well we can't we've we've chosen human based characters, uh oh, but enough. they are songs um or familiar familiar concepts that you'll get from from shows. I was just gonna say, Circle of Life would be perfect just to chuck that in there, and then you can add that in 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 the mix. But don't worry, when you're doing Disney and drag once upon twice upon a parody, I'm yes. gonna be writing for your show. <laughs> Absolutely, um, I'm just I'm just secretly recording this as well so that I can uh, go back. But we we, de we definitely have some interesting plans uh, for some some possible spin-offs as well because. Circle of Life and a whole heap of other songs that we love have not made it into this one. Uh, so I think really we just need to make another one. Fantastic. Uh, so your show Disney and Drag, uh, Once Upon a Parody, at the moment, in fact, and thank you, Producer Davies, just reminded me that you're doing a run in London uh, from the 26th of July to the 29th of July at the Aeronaut. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, correct. Excellent. So you're going to be doing that from the 26th of July to the 29th of July, and then you're going to head up to Edinburgh Fringe, and you're going to run from the 2nd to the 27th of August at the Gilded Balloon. And it's yes. basically Disney parody. It is uh, all the classic Disney uh, films that we grew up with in the 80s and the 90s that you're going to be uh, doing a parody of uh, in your own uh, – I was going to say tasteless, but that sounds like an insult. I mean yes. in your own risque – Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. I like that. I like that. In your scandalous fashion. Um. Now there was a question that was gonna that was gonna pop up in my head and it's just disappeared. But producer Dave, I just want to throw it to you. Adult you themes are taking over. It is. Yes. Producer <laughs> Dave, do you have a question? Not at the moment. You've covered most of it, to be quite honest. I mean, I'm I'm disappointed that you're not gonna have a little bit of maybe Fantasia or or, or some of the some of those older ones like some of the South or what have you. But hey ho. Well, there is Snow White. Snow White is the like the well the the movie Snow White um is one of the oh. first Disney movies made. Fair enough. It, it, maybe maybe that could be that could be the second you know in the trilogy of the Disney and drag show that you're going to be doing. We can work it through. So the second one is going to be like Empire Strikes Back, where it's going to be a little bit dark and broody, and one beloved okay. character is going to get killed or captured, and then we can move it Ooh. into the Fantasia aspect in the third film, where it's going to be redemption and light and everyone singing. Uh, and it'll be that that's where you have the scene set in Africa where whoever the new baby is lifted for everybody else to, to be seen. So, yeah, this it writes itself. It writes itself. Yeah. I remember. I I'm remember getting an my... indication that you watch a lot of movies. Just, just... 
Just a just a touch. Uh, so and the fact that this did that. Remember my one of my last questions. I'm going to ask you. So uh, Disney and drag. Is it safe to assume that we're going to if we miss the show at either Aeronaut or at the Edinburgh Fringe, that we're going to be able to see it on Disney Plus? Oh. Buying us, I don't know. <laughs> no, we're, we're parody, so not associated uh, with with Disney or uh, Walt Disney. But look, never say never. <laughs> Disney have gone and bought absolutely everything. They've bought uh, they've bought uh, Fox. They've bought uh, a whole bunch of other things that they put onto them. So in fact, even if you wanted to, Disney now includes superheroes. So you could add your superheroes into the trilogy. You see, they're fleshing it out and uh, go either Star Wars yeah. or the other way if you wanted to do so. So, uh, yes. You should come work for us. You can just you can just set our whole trajectory of where we're going with everything. Oh, I'm cheap. Absolutely. You can just, whatever you want, just, let, you know, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be happy to, I'll be happy to pitch an idea as I sit there. I will uh, be on stage offering my assistance. I'll be your plant on stage or in the audience. So whatever you say. No, no, we don't. We don't like plants. We don't. We definitely don't like plants. But we still can. I'm not going to tell you what what we get people to do on stage. But you can put your hand up and put yourself forward. I don't know if there's anything I've ever been suggested and I've said no to. So I will be happy to do so. It'll be okay. Uh, We've been talking to Jay West, who's part of the Harry Godmothers who are having their performance, Disney in drag, Once Upon a Parody, which is at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival from the 2nd of August to the 27th of August. But if you're not able to make it up to Edinburgh, uh, don't worry, they're going to be in London at the Aeronaut from the 26th of July to the 29th of July. Go and prepare to be pulled into the action and you can become a Disney prince or princess uh, or beast if you want to be, if that's your inclination, feel free, go and you can participate in the events. Now, uh, Jay West, uh, do you can you please give us your social media tags so that if people want to follow, follow yourself or the Harry Godmothers, they know what to follow. Yeah, so our company is at the Harry Godmothers, both on Instagram and Facebook. So they're may, our main point of contact. And if anyone wants to, to reach out to me personally, I'm Dr. J West. So J spoke J A E um, underscore West, and that's on Instagram is my main point of contact. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Dr. Jay West, for speaking with us at Shoot the Breeze. Uh, we wish Disney and Drag and the Harry Godmothers the most success possible so we can jump in there and have a trilogy and then spin off a whole Disney and Drag franchise and universe where we can incorporate a whole bunch of stuff in there as well. Amazing. And that was our conversation with Dr. Jay West from the Harry Godmothers who are presenting Disney in Drag, Once Upon a Parody. Uh, we want to thank you all very much for listening to our show. We've been rambling on for a, for a while, chatting to some very, very interesting guests. And we only do this because we know that you listen to us, the five of you that are out there who have nothing better to do. We appreciate you spending your time listening to us. And we want to thank Resonance FM for, well, as we do every week for not listening to us because if they did, they would cancel our show and I'd have no one to rant about uh, or rant to about me watching stuff like The Lincoln Lawyer and so on and so forth. So keep not listening to us and go and support Resonance FM. They are a great, great radio station. They support, you know, the arts, which is fantastic. All you do when you turn on the radio, all you listen to is music. 
It is terrible. I'm kidding. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just trying to ramble about different things. But go and support Resonance FM. They're a fantastic group of people who are doing a great deal of, of good for the arts. So go and check them out. You have been listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I have been Marcus E. Ako. I'm still producer Dave. And thank you very much for listening. And speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.